But now winter is truly coming, and in the winter, we must protect ourselves. Look after one another. No one will take my dragons. The occasional kindness will spare you all sorts of trouble down the road. For the night is dark and full of terrors. Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. I meant no disrespect to you, of all people. What is dead may never die! What is dead may never die! If you want to own a sword, you better know how to use it. This war is far from over. Winter is coming. Hi everyone, this is Jonathan, and welcome to Gab of Thrones. Today we're going to be talking about Season 7, Episode 3, The Queen's Justice. What's up, Jay? John, what's up? Not much. I'm just looking forward to talking about this episode, because I really feel like this season, Season 7, is really starting to get into high gear. A lot happening, and let's just get down to it. Yeah, this episode, uh, not a lot of action. Uh, but a lot of story, a lot of things being set up, and you know, again, we're we're using the um, the comparison of it being a chess game, and the pieces move into place in this episode, right? So we open up with John. Uh, I'm sorry, the King of the North, John Snow, mm-hmm. and Sir. Is he Sir yet? Is he Sir Davos yet? Sure. Yeah, he's he's been Sir Davos because uh, it, it's actually Stannis that gave him the title. So he's been oh, Sir Davos okay. for a while. Yeah. All right. So John and Sir Davos, who I guess is, um, I wouldn't say the hand of the king, but he's he's a uh, he's a trusted advisor to John. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much without the title. He's he's pretty much the hand of the king. Yeah. Okay. So they land on Dragonstone, and mm-hmm. they meet with uh, Tyrion. And uh, first, nice little shout-out to uh, previous episodes is how Tyrion and Jon greet each other. They, I believe they haven't seen each other since The Wall in Season 1, right? Yeah, and Jon actually points that out. He says, uh, that's the last time I saw you, you were peeing off the top of the wall there so yeah (laughs) that's right well the first thing uh Tyrion says to him is the bastard of Winterfell and Jon replies with the dwarf of Castle Rock so a little familiar jabbing at each other it seems I I think it kind of breaks the tension because it it is a pretty tense scene you know Jon and his men coming off surrounded by Dothraki Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's a nice little icebreaker to to kind of get the ball rolling Right, so just a quick review. John and Davros are there to uh, two two pronged reason. One to get some dragon glass from Daenerys because apparently Dragonstone was built on a mountain of it, and uh, two to enlist Daenerys's aid in fighting the White Walkers. Um, now mm-hmm. they were summoned there by Daener- Daenerys for one reason. Daenerys only wants John for one reason. Well, later yeah. in the season will be another reason. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, in this in this episode she just wants the King of the North to bend the knee. So she's she's consolidating the seven kingdoms. She's already got Dorne, pretty much uh, bending the knee to her. Um, she would have the Iron Islands if Yara was in charge, but she's not. So uh, right now, she, out of the seven kingdoms, she's got one. <laughs> so she's trying to consolidate that, and she's pretty much summons John. And if we remember from last week's discussion, John wasn't going to go, but then they discovered that the dragon glass is underneath, and he's like, "Well, now I got to go." Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really, again, you know, it's against everybody's advice. Uh, Sansa's not happy about it at all, really, because she said, look, you know, we're the north. We have we have uh, Cersei to worry about down south. We have the army of the dead. You, you, you can't do this. You can't go running off. Not only that. And John does say this a few times as well. He goes, you know, every time a Stark goes south, it doesn't really end up very well for them. Right. So so stop it. Stop doing this. Mm-hmm. I think we're reminded of that like three different times. John says it, and I know Tyrion says it. And um, I, I think that's smart because when you watch this episode, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what Daenerys is going to do. Um, so let's talk quickly about – so uh, they get the first introduction to the dragons. Where the, all the um, the northerners they kind of you know drop to the ground in fear as they they fly close to the ground the dragons and uh, Tyrion tells them he goes you know I wish I could tell you get used to it but you really don't um, so they finally get to meet Daenerys and uh, one of my, one of the best scenes is when Missandra is introducing 
uh, Daenerys to John. She says all these, you know, all her nine thousand names. <laughs> exactly. Sir Davros goes, "This is Jon Snow." Then he pauses. He goes, "He's king of the North." <laughs> yeah. And John a... <laughs> just kind of looks at him, like, "All right, I could, yeah, thanks for nothing." <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I, I got to get a better hype man here. It's you know, but don't <laughs> yeah, forget right. that. But well, well, don't forget that right before this, uh, as. You know, John and his party are, are are marching up, and he's talking with Tyrion. We see, kind of perched above, we see the the Red Woman herself. She's watching the proceedings, and and Varys comes out to sort of like kind of mock her a bit, like, "Oh, uh, you wanted him so badly. Now you don't want to see him." And I, he knows why. And and they have a little exchange there, uh, you know, pretty much before this whole thing in the in the throne room takes place. Well, Varys doesn't know that. I don't know. Did she tell them that she came from the north? Well, yeah, she did say she was with the king, right? Well, yeah, because I think even at one episode. Well, here's here's the thing. Varys Varys doesn't really have great interactions with any of these women in red because uh, I don't know if it was season five, season six, somewhere in there uh, when Daenerys disappears for a while. Uh, She climbed on the back of Drogon. He flew her off and she wasn't seen for a while. They come up with the idea of having these uh, women in red, uh, these red women, kind of spread the good news about Daenerys. But Varys kind of, you know, mocks them a bit by saying, oh, yeah, one of your ladies in red, she went to advise Stannis, and that didn't go very well. So he he does know about her. But the thing that's really interesting is, is in that episode and in this episode, Varys seems to love to get the last word in and, and kind of finish off with a jibe. But the lady, the, these these red women always get the better of him because, you know, she basically said, she goes, look, I'm going to leave. And he's like, well, if I were you, I wouldn't come back. And she's like, no, I have to come back because my part in this whole story, she, I have to die here. And she looks at him and she goes, just like you do. And he's sort of like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's know. like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and a few episodes or a few seasons back when he's kind of mocking this other women, woman in red about, you know, uh, basically, I think you're, he's basically saying that they're sort of like a cult and they kind of sway with the tides and this or that. And she's, you know, he, like, he doesn't believe in any of it. And she goes, well, don't you think you have a part, part to play? And she reminds him of a time of how he became a eunuch and it was at the hands of a wizard. She goes, do you remember what he chanted? Do you remember what you heard in the fire? And the look on his face, he's like, how do you know this? So the, these these red women always kind of get the better of him in conversations, and it's it's just something I noticed. And yeah, it's, no, it's great. pretty interesting. Yeah, and it was it was a good scene because then it's like because then Varys is I don't know that he ever thinks of his mortality. I mean, she didn't say you're going to die in a war or something. She's like, well, you're going to die here on Westeros too. So, but the way he took it was like, oh, like what does that mean? <laughs> like, like now? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> Am I dying like, now? now? You know, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, and but they don't know that she brought John back to life, though, right? No, uh, none of them know that. And you know, as this exchange between John and Daenerys goes on, it does almost slip out. Uh, you know, as they begin to, I guess we'll call this negotiations. <laughs> I don't know. They they were pretty angry negotiations. <laughs> well, John, John just wants. He's like, look, there's a bigger problem. John's big picture. He's like, we got bigger problems than Cersei, and Daenerys is just like, look. Bend the knee and we can move forward. We'll, we'll get Cersei and then we'll fight the, the army of the North. And John's like, no, Cersei's not the problem right now. And, you know, they talk about family lineage and breaking of oaths, you know, the the Starks pledge fealty to the, uh, uh, the Targaryens for thousands of, you know, forever. And, you know, she even admits, the Aaron even admits that her father was mad and maybe even deserved to be overthrown, but I'm not my father. You're, you're a Stark. Let's do this. And he goes, uh, slow down. I'm not a Stark. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> right. And, you know, so it was a really good well, and even and, Well, he even says to her, he said, I just met you. I don't know you. Like, right. w- why am I going to bend the knee to you? I'm telling you, something is coming for all of us. And it doesn't matter if we're allies, if we're enemies. They're all coming for us. This takes precedent. I don't know you. I'm not just going to make an alliance with you right here on the spot. And, and what I love about the scene is John brings up how, you know, the, the, the nobles of the North 
chose him to be the leader. And it wasn't to come up there and bend the knee. And John isn't bent, not it, John's refusal to bend the knee is not about his ego or about um, him thinking he should rule the seven kingdoms. It's about, no, I have this responsibility. People put their trust and faith in me to be their leader. The first thing I'm going to do as leader is not going to, you know, acquiesce to another leader. Um, and I like that about John. And, and never at one point does this come off as John's ego or, or I'm better than you type of thing, or or who do you think you are trying to make me better than me? He's, he mm-hmm. lays it out there. And and you get the feeling that, you know, if Daenerys can prove himself to herself to John, he'll do it. If he thinks it's the right thing for the North, he'll do it. You know, he'll put that before anything. And I, I really like that we get these little character insights into, into John and, and Daenerys and things. And even she's like, because he's like, am I your prisoner? And she's like, not, well, for the moment you're not. So, you know, they're both trying to act tough to each other in a certain way, um, which is funny because, you're, you know, you're watching this and you're like, oh, if you just tell them who you are and be honest with each other, you know, you get beyond this silliness. Because in a way, you both know they – we as the audience knows that they both know that it's a petty thing they're, they're, they're fighting about. Um, but it's kind of like the dance they have to do. It's, it's – it's... Yeah, it's 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 all part of the Game of Thrones, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I I and I and I think you're right. I think they both know, like she knows that he could be a powerful ally. I mean, if she gets the North, you know, they'll pretty much have Cersei surrounded. Um, John knows that if he could get her on his side, he gets the Dragon Glass, he gets an army to help him fight the army of the dead and fight the night king and of course three dragons are a big help in that as well but yeah it's it's sort of like these are the parts they have to play and you know sir davos kind of brings it home here where you know like you said he kind of builds on what john said and he said you know look this guy came from nothing he's he's not a noble but he became the lord commander he became the king of the north not because of his noble blood not because because he's a good man, he's an honest man, and he earned everybody's respect. You, you want to know about John? I just told you all about him right yeah. there. And that's yeah. when he almost lets it slip that he died for people, but John cut him off. Yeah. Um, so it's at this moment, and that, that kind of piqued Daenerys' curiosity that that almost slipped out. She's like, well, what was that all about? So it's at this moment where uh, Varys comes in and um, lets Dan- Daenerys know that, um, well, they pull her out of the meeting and they let her know that uh, Euron attacked Yara. And um, why can't I didn't go well? <laughs> what is his name? Why can't I remember his name? Which one? Uh, Tyrion. No. Theon. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you're uh, Euron attacked Theon and Yara. Uh, they don't know if they're dead or alive. They're presumed dead or captured. Um, most of the, most of the that part of the fleet was taken out. They know the queen was either dead. Uh, the queen of Dorne. Uh, Ilaria, I think. Yes, was, dead or captured. Dead or captured. Yeah. Um, so Daenerys is like, I just lost most of my fleet, you know. So what the f? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now it's you know kind of like I, I do need some allies here. So yeah, it's it's something for her to think about, and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty good because I'm not sure you know if from here if they jump back to King's Landing or if. Uh, we stay we stay on Dragonstone for a bit more because I know well, we kind of go back and forth. Yeah, so why don't we just why don't we stay in Dragonstone? I I, I think it's better when we do area by area. Absolutely, to try to do the you know chronologically in order of the show. Um, so they find out about uh, Yara and Theon, um, and then they kind of cut over to well they cut the, when we're back at Dragonstone. Um, mm-hmm. Daenerys is. Uh, not Daenerys, Tyrion and John are outside meeting and John's, you can see he's frustrated. He's talking about, he's, he's talking to the Tyrion about, you know, I'm a prisoner here. And then, you know, Tyrion gets semantical with him be like, Oh, well, you're technically not, you can walk around the island. Blah, 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 blah. And John's like, dude, I, she took my ship. <laughs> she's like, I can't leave. <laughs> but um, what I, what I like at this one though, is, is when Tyrion comes up, he goes, I came out here to brood. He's like, but you're doing it better than me. You look so, and and that's the thing is is when they open that scene, like he's he's there with his like father's old robes and he's looking out, and it's just it's like such a striking moment. 
And Tyrion's sort of like, man, I came out here to look cool, and, and here you are already. He's like, yeah, come on, like, I can't brood. Y'all don't look as good as you brooding, so you ruin you. He's like, I can't even brood about brooding now or something. Like so I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so so they talk and they have a discussion. I think this was this was real, really where we see Tyrion's one of Tyrion's strengths, um, because it's it, he has that ability to in the non official way to really get at the heart of a problem, really get people to be honest with him and talk about what they want and what they need and how he can help them get that. And he explains to, to John, he's like, look, you don't know Daenerys. And it is, it was kind of silly of her to think that you would just bend the knee, but you know, the first time you meet her. Um, but this is the type of person she is, you know, people, fo- people follow her, the Dothraki, the, the unsullied, I follow her because she forces them to, because they fear her. They do it because they love her. Um, you know, talk to some of these people. Yeah, he says and, that. Yeah, yeah. And then John is is, you know, he's listening, which is good. Um, and then Tyrion just says, "Well, you know, how can I help you?" He's like, "Me? What can I specifically do to you?" And John knows Tyrion enough to know that Tyrion can get things done for him if he needs it done. And uh, he eventually talks about the dragon glass. So Tyrion takes it back to the queen. And they have a discussion about it. And he's like, look, you didn't know it was there. Who cares? Let him take it. You know, if it if it helps bring him over to our side, great. If it's useless, who cares? You know, you're not losing nothing by giving him you're not losing anything by giving him nothing. Yeah, he 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 has the great line. He goes, you know, give him something by giving him nothing. Right. Essentially, it's like it's worthless to you. You didn't even know it's here. He thinks it's worth something. So, you know, he takes it, it means nothing to you. But you're winning his trust. Like you guys are starting to develop a relationship, but you're not really giving anything up. So this this is, you know, that first meeting in the throne room is sort of like the pomp and circumstance. Right. It was a quote unquote negotiation, but it really wasn't. It was it was like uh, you know, I don't want to get too too vulgar, but it's sort of like it's sort of like what they would call like like a good old fashioned pissing contest. Like who who's the tough one here? You know, right. she gets off her throne, she comes down, she gets in his face. You know, it's like who's tough? Who's gonna blink first? Now the real negotiations are gonna are gonna begin because after this, we see them actually talk and they talk like people. They just talk like two people that are very concerned about the well being of the people that follow them. And, and and I think this scene was was it was a great scene. Yeah, it's it's this. It's where Daenerys is outside and John approaches her, and uh, they, like you said, they're talking like normal people. And she tells him that she, you know I'm going to let you mind the dragon glass. I'm also you know if you need any of my people to help you or whatever, let me know. I'll, I'll do that for you. And and John really appreciates that because because frankly that was probably his main goal at the point. Of course he wants them to help with the White Walkers, but his main goal was to get that dragon glass so they could start building weapons. And um. Yeah, so I guess I guess in a way you could say this is a win. I don't even know if you want to say it's a win, but they, both sides get a little bit of what they need. I think Daenerys gets a better look at, into the character of John and, and the person he is, um, and then you know John's getting the dragon glass, and you know we'll we'll see where Daenerys stands on the whole white. What, now, did you get the sense that she didn't believe in the White Walkers, or she just felt that Cersei was the bigger threat? I mean, I think. She thinks Cersei is the bigger threat, and I think she her her thinking is that she wants to be on the Iron Throne because when they meet here and they're watching her dragons and they're talking about it, she kind of gives the line. She's like, you know, for thousands of years, people didn't think dragons existed, and now here they are. And I think that's sort of her way of saying – you know, hey, for thousands of years, we didn't know about the army. We, we thought the army of the dead and the White Walkers, we thought that was all sort of mysterious. Now, here you are telling me about it. So I think I think she does believe it. But I think her I think her main goal is, you know, is securing the Iron Throne. And I mean, I think she does believe him, though. I, I really do. Because yeah. some of the things that she's seen and come up against uh, and, and the trials that she's gone through, she has to know that some of these myths and rumors and legends, there's got to be some truth to them. And I think here, when they're talking like two people, because the thing is, um, he says he says to her, like she, she gives like a very kind of eloquent line. And he's like, oh, you've been talking to Tyrion. She's like, well, he loves to talk. Or John says he loves to talk, and she's like, "Well, people love to do what they're good at." And John says, "I don't." Right. You know, 
he, like, he's, oh, he means killing. He, yeah, he, he means killing. killing. Exactly. <laughs> so she gets a look at it of sort of like, you know, because I think, you know, let's not forget, too, that everybody has perceptions of one another. And I think the perception of the people of the North, they're big, hulking brutes. And, you know, they love a good fight and a good drink. And here's a Northman going, I really don't like to fight. I, I kind of like some peace. So she, she gets a really good insight. So I think she sees and remembering what Sir Davos said, he's a pretty honest guy. So he, there's no reason for him to lie to me. So I, 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 I think she does believe him about the, uh, the army of the dead. Right. Well, I wanna, there's two things I want to I point out and talk about real quickly. Uh, first, mm-hmm. if, if you look at Daenerys' through line from episode one through, she was raised by her brother to help him become king, king of uh, Westeros. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty much sold to the Dothraki or whatever, traded to the Dothraki for their allegiance. And um, she finds her power in that. And she even gives this big speech to John about, you know, through everything I've, I've gotten this far because of faith and not in anyone or, or in dragons or whatever, but in myself. And when she makes that turn, I guess maybe around the time Drago dies and, and realizes she's, she makes that distinction that she's the one that's meant for the throne, not the brother. <clears throat> and she really starts to consolidate and build her power. So she's very, she's very one. Uh, she's got one goal, and that's to get on that throne. And she is so close now. You know, she's at Dragonstone. She's so close. She could taste it. If it wasn't for her kindness and benevolence, she would just unleash the dragons on um, on on Cersei and and the and the war in, in the day. You know what I mean? But she's mm-hmm. worried about the populace. She's worried about what comes after. You know, does she want to, she doesn't want to rule out of fear. And that's the quickest, it's the quickest way to get on the throne, but it's the quickest way to, to have the populace fear you and always be looking over your shoulder for someone to try to overthrow you. So she's trying to do this the right way. She's trying to let the people of Westeros know that she's, she, she feels like she's going to end a, a form of tyranny. So if she, and she's so close, she's the closest she's ever been. She's accomplished all these things. You know, she got the Dothraki to get on boats. You know, she, yeah. she got the Unsullied, the Pledge of Allegiance to her without, you know, being sold to them, or because it was their free will to do it. Uh, all these other things. She got Dorne and and the Iron, you know, some of the Iron Islands to, to follow her. So here's this guy, you know, new newly uh, uh, crowned king in the north, saying, "Yeah, yeah, I get that. This is what you want, but we got a bigger problem." So even for the audience to be like, "Oh, she's stupid. She should follow him. You know, she should know." That doesn't make sense. I mean, in her position, you're like, no, I have this goal. And I need you to fall in line because I'm the queen of the seven kingdoms and you're one of those seven kingdoms. That's what she's thinking about. So she might even believe in the White Walkers, but maybe there's even a part of her that's in denial about their, um, just how big an issue they are. Uh, because she, yeah. it, it, you know, it's hard. I'm thinking about your own, you know, your own life when you work for a goal and then someone walks in and tells you, well, let's, let's put down a hold for a little bit and focus on, on my goal. That you can help me with, you know. You're like, wait a second. Yeah, so, or or like that you can't even see, you know. Right. You're right. you're working on your goal now. Work on my goal, which is across the country, and uh, I don't have any proof, but just trust me. Yeah, exactly. Put all your resources into that, and if we fail, your goal is never going to be reached. Yeah. Um, so you have that, and I also want to say this about John. Mm-hmm. I feel like ever since the Battle of the Bastards, you know, the, the old saying is "heavy is the head that wears the crown." Like I, I really feel like this episode really, you really start to see John. I don't want to say he's cracking because by by no means is he cracking under the pressure, but I feel like he's ever since about the bastard, he's just weary, like mentally and emotionally weary with everything that's going on, and he has this weight of, of being the only people or you know being the only leader that sees that these that the 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 problem from the North is coming, that the walkers are coming and the, the army of the dead are coming. And it's his sole responsibility. It's such a heavy weight for him to bear. And he knows going into it, whenever he talks to someone, it's going to be, a, you know, no one's going to believe me. This is like, you know, this is like uh, me coming to you saying, look, Santa's elves are rebelling and we have to, we have to fight them back. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're right. Right. We're yeah, yeah. Santa's elves don't exist. What are you talking about? And everyone he talks to is going to re- react to him like that, but he still has to convince him because he knows the threat is real. And I just kind of see like his conversations with Tyrion, his conversation with Daenerys. Uh, it's that you know coming from back from the dead, even saying if I you know before the Battle of Bastards, if I die, do not bring me back. It's almost like 
that's his way out. He's like, he'll never do it to himself, but he's like, yo, let me rest. You know, <laughs> like, I just feel like this world weariness has been coming over him ever since that battle and, and, and putting the crown of, of, of being king of the North on him. I think, I think the thing that's very hard for John is I think as a leader of men, he's excellent, but if you look at him, like they say, and it's been said over and over, he's not a nobleman. He's a bastard. And when he lived with Ned and with Catelyn, especially Catelyn would just make sure he had nothing to do with, with any sort of family business or political business. So, you know, he leads by example and he inspires. But all of this political, you know, dancing around and sidestepping, this is not him. So right. I, I think that also weighs on him, too, where he's just sort of like – Give me a sword. Give me an army. This I could do, but this whole negotiating and making packs and this and that. And he had a before the Battle of the Bastards, he had to go around and he had to do that to get people on his side. And now he's got to do it with Daenerys. And he's sort of like, there's a threat. Give me a sword. That's how I could handle it. And, and it's just it's tough. It's really tough for him to do all this. Well, the thing is, one of his greatest strengths, and it's one of the things that led him to be uh, named King of the North um, to other people that felt like they deserved to be a leader or, or a king or a queen, they would look at it upon as a weakness, is that he has no problem humbling himself. You know, he would humble himself to the different houses. Look, we need you for this reason. There's a greater issue here. He stands in front of his lords and says, yes, these two houses fought with the Boltons, but we have to look past that and we have to build this army and we're going to need everybody. So I'm going to be able to forget that and welcome them back into the fold of the Starks if they're willing to pledge their allegiance to us again. So he, 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 he always has the greater good or what he perceives to be the greater good on his mm-hmm. mind. It's and, and I think that's one of his strengths because he wasn't raised in that noble tradition. Uh, I mean, he learned a lot from Ned, but you know, that noble tradition, you know, in the past would have been like, no, you have to punish the houses that help the Boltons. You know, no, you, you have to go down to Dragonstone and not bend the knee and let her know that you, you don't bend the knee to anybody, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's really what makes him again a great leader and i don't know he recognizes that in himself he recognizes how great a fighter he is and he probably feels more comfortable on the battlefield than he does in the throne room but i don't i i think it's all those things that help him be a great leader and maybe he doesn't recognize that in himself yet and that's that could be part of the 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 the, the weight that he's carrying is just this this drive to do the right thing and, and, and get this army together and if it doesn't work out who knows what's going to happen to the world Exactly. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff to, to that happened here. Like I said, not a lot of action in this episode, but the conversations and the writing, of course, uh, was stellar. All right, so uh, now this was a small part of it. Was we, we talked about Yara, and you know, episode two ended with the with the battle uh, between the Greyjoys with Yara and Theon and their little fleet getting totally decimated by Euron's ridiculously huge fleet. Oh God, uh, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, so what we see is Yara and – well, first there yeah, – the aftermath of the battle is Theon's getting pulled out of the ocean by the survivors of the battle. And the people from the Iron Islands asked him what happened with Yara, and he's like, they took him. They took her, and they're like, well, why didn't you save her? He goes, I tried. I couldn't. And and they said, well, you didn't try hard enough because you're here. And they all – it was great as he buried he's, – he's, He's close, you know, he almost drowned in the ocean. They pull him out. He's on the deck of the boat. They have this conversation. As soon as the guy says that, they all walk away from him. Nobody helps him up or nothing. And Theon's like, oh, he's just back to be weak. And he just can't escape this, you know? Yeah, I mean, when, when you see him there, um, you know, and I noticed it, you know, when I did the rewatch, he's blue. Like, he, he had been in that water. He's shivering. Uh, they, they don't even, like, hand him a towel or anything. They're They're sort of like... I think I think the line is is like you know because he, he said I tried to save her he goes he's like well you really didn't because you're still here because you either you get her or you die and yeah they just leave him there and it's it's just like this you know I, I, again my my take on him I don't know what your take my take on him is is that Ramsey had done such a job on him that it's it, this is like. PTSD to the max that that Theon is suffering from and I mean for me I really feel for the guy I really feel bad for him because 
Yara is the one that that supported him and loved him. And even, you know, she mounted the rescue. He refused to come. He came back. He begged for her forgiveness. He backs her to be the queen of the Iron Islands, you know, and she's on his side. And right before that huge battle with Uncle Euron, when uh, Ilana, I think her name is, you know, the, the queen of Dorne is just like taunting and tormenting him. You know, she's sticking up for him. And, yeah, you know, he it's just he saved himself. Like it's it's that PTSD. He just can't escape it. Right. Yeah. And I think let me ask you this. Do you think Yara... Yeah. Do you think Yara has finally given up on him at this point? <sighs> After that display, because you can see her face when he jump when he when he drops the sword and he jumps overboard. You know. Yeah, that's it's it's really hard because you know I I did kind of watch that scene again because it's it's such I mean that's again you know one of the things that this show has is some epic 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 battles and that is you know this is definitely one of them that whole battle on the sea she sort of looks sort of like hopeful like oh okay you know he's he's you know theon's here he's gonna do something then she sees his hesitation and i think she just knows i think she knows that he's he's like a beaten dog and i really think that yeah i I think that she has given up on him. She's just, and, and in a way I think she pities him. Like, I think she feels like whatever this guy, whatever Ramsey did to him, she's like, she, he's never going to get over it. And I think she feels bad for him. I don't think she feels betrayed by him. I just think she's like, this is not the Theon I knew. Like that Theon is gone. Ramsey right. killed him. So I think she, she kind of mourns him in a way. So maybe it's the acceptance that the Theon she knows is gone. And cause she's been trying to get him back to, to, to some semblance of self-respect and self-esteem. And, and maybe she, not that she's angry that she didn't, def- that he didn't defend her, but more like, wow, he's, you know, my brother, the, the, you know, the gray joy part of him is gone. The iron Island part of him is gone. And it's never yeah. going to come back. All right, yeah, that makes more sense. All right, okay. so um, this so this leads right into uh, King's Landing, where Euron is parading Yara and um, Alaria and Tyene, maybe Tyene, the the, daughter the, the, the only remaining sister. daughter, yeah, right. the only remaining Parade, daughter, parading them through the streets of King's Landing um, and taking them to the Queen as gifts. Um, so you have Alaria who killed Cersei's daughter, Marcella, and, yeah, mm-hmm. Marcella, which is really. Yeah, I, even then I was like, I don't see how she had to be a part of this. But um, killed Marcella, and she spits at Cersei. Cersei agrees to marry Euron as a reward, but only after the war is over, and assuming one. Um, and they make a statement in this one that I didn't catch the first time I watched this episode. I quite mm-hmm. watch. So, like, you got the Greyjoys in command of my navy, and you have uh, Jamie in command of my army. I'm like, holy crap, that's a that's a pretty powerful, you know, military she's got there. Because um, you're on, yeah. uh, you're on just kicking butt and taking names, and, and Jamie's got the reputation too. Um, although he didn't do too well against Rob until you know, <laughs> until the the the, the what you call it got the the, the phrase got the, the phrase got there. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I digress. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the wow, Cersei just just when you think Cer- there's no like Cersei can't get any more evil. She you know after last season, wait, was it this season when she tortured the? Uh, the- that was the end of last season. Okay, when, when she tortured yes. the nun that tortured, tortured her. Yeah, that tortured mm-hmm. her. Yeah, just when you mm-hmm. basically making her. Uh, I believe. I mean, this is how I took a sexual plaything for the mountain. Yeah. Uh, forever and ever she's like oh you're not gonna die <laughs> she's like this is gonna be your life um so she chains up alaria and tain across from each other not close enough so they can touch she kisses tain uh with using the same poison that alaria used on marcella mm-hmm. uh, and she basically told alaria that we're gonna keep you alive so a you can watch your daughter die and then b watch your daughter rot which is Golly, just ridiculously cruel. Um, Yeah, it it makes me wonder. You know, we're we're on the seventh season now. Eighth season's coming up. Is she the most despicable character there is? You know, and we've seen some despicable characters, but is she, like she is now, is she the queen? Is is she the most despised 
character, most despicable character, you think? I will say this. Um, when I see bad children out in the world, you know, at the, at the supermarket or whatever, mm-hmm. and I see how their parent reacts to them, I stop being angry at the child for being a bad kid and like, oh, well, that's where you get it from. So up until <laughs> this point, I would have said Joffrey hands down. But now I'm kind of like, oh, it can't be bad at Joffrey. Look who raised him. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah she is just – I mean, she was never mother of the year. But why, she loves her children, but it's such a weird, twisted way. Um, yeah, she's just – wow. Yes. Uh, even, even in this scene where she's talking about Marcella, and, you know, granted, um, early on in the show, uh, Tyrion made that deal with Dorne, and Marcella was shipped off, and we didn't see her until – we went back to Dorne in season six, but she, when she gives that speech about, you know, she's my only daughter and, and I, I fed her even though they said I shouldn't and I never left, like, uh, you know, you could say it's a mother's love. I'm like looking at her going, this, this woman's insane. Like she, like her love and insanity it's almost like they go hand in hand like she's given that speech but it's like the fire in her eyes about it uh, she's crazy i mean she's yeah. she's she's crazy yeah she, she's just, i mean how many innocent people were killed when she blew up the uh uh the septum you know yeah uh just wow she she there's no hiding for her power let me ask you this yeah Did, did she kill Robert? Did she have a hand in killing Robert Baratheon? Or was it truly an accident? I don't remember. Oh no, she did. She um, because if you remember her, her cousin Lancel, right, uh, the one who she was also sleeping with, and he became uh, a sparrow, right? He became a sparrow, but before right. that, he was the king's squire, and you know, she basically gave him something to put in his wine to to dull him. I mean. I mean, I mean, come on, wine dulls your senses, but right. you know, they, they added something to it so that she she knew that he was not coming back from that boar hunt alive. Like okay. this this was gonna be it. So she she planned it. She planned it. I think okay. even I we see that. later yeah, I think later when she meets with the Iron Bank, she doesn't really hide the fact that she killed her husband. I I, I really don't think she even hides that fact anymore that she right. had a hand she's, in it. Well, she's becoming with the consolidation of her power, she's becoming much more bolder. Um she sleeps with Jamie. There's a knock on the door in the morning. Jamie's in her bed. He's like, oh, I have to hide or whatever. She's like, no, I'm the queen. Who gives a heck what people say? Yeah. So she opens the door, and the person sees that Jamie's in her bed and, you know, whatever delivers whatever message. So she's become much more emboldened by her power. She's definitely power mad at this point, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we don't know anything about the Mad King, but she's really giving him a run for his money at this point. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you brought up that she um, – she talked to the Iron Bank, and I think this is where we find out that the Lannisters are broke. Right? Yeah. Did we know that before? We didn't know that before, right? Because, uh, you know, the big thing is Lannisters always pay their debts. And she's talking to the Iron Bank about, look, I need some more money from you. Well, why should we support you? Uh, you know, well, the, uh, you know, uh, Targaryen freeing the slaves, I'm sure, didn't help you guys any because there was big money in slavery. Um, so she's like, look, I guarantee you a fortnight, which I believe is, what, two weeks? She's two weeks, like, yeah. Yeah, she's like, you stay a fortnight here in King's Landing. I guarantee you, you'll have your money before you, the money we owe you before you leave. And basically, she wants to pay them off so she get a bigger loan from them um, to fight this war. So yeah, and, and well, and she really pitches her case there because oh, the one thing I love about this scene it's it's actually kind of a nice contrast to that opening scene with Daenerys and John where they're doing all that dancing around. Like this guy from the bank comes in and he. He starts off, he's like, well, you know, we don't really make bets. What we do is, and she just cuts him off. She's like, you make bets, we owe you money, you want the money. Like, she just cuts through it all. She's like, I don't have time for this. I got to pay off my debt to you because I want more money for you. And she really, actually, you know, again, we despise her, or at least I despise her. But she brings up a good point. She's like, Lannisters always pay their debts. Uh, do you former slaves and dragons and, you know, this person from across the sea, do they pay their debts? You know, we're good for it. What, yeah, she's got dragons and she's got, you know, Dothraki and Unsullied and this and that. But at the end of the day, what you want to collect, is she going to pay you back? You know, I am. So she does make a good case for herself. 
Yeah, so basically she whips out her uh, credit score and you know, <laughs> says, "Look, look, I'm in the I'm in the high I'm in the high seventies, low eight hundreds. You're gonna trust me? You're gonna trust this this immigrant who's maybe yeah. a five five six hundred? Like she's really got no credit history at this point. No, I'm joking, of course. But uh, yeah, that's basically what she's saying. She's like, "Look, we're in the line of repair debts. Give me my money, and I'll pay you back." And then she's like, "I understand you want that." Uh, previous step paid, and I'm, I'm working on that. Give me two weeks, you'll have your money. So, uh, I, you know, you, you leave the scene the first time around thinking, like, well, where is she getting this money from? Exactly. That gets answered <laughs> by the end of the episode. Uh, so, let's go back to Winterfell. So, Winterfell stands us in, I guess, in, in what I what I called the um, the West Wing type conversation with um, Littlefinger, <laughs> Uh, the 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 head knight. I don't know what he's called, but the head knight from the the Riverlands, mm-hmm. L, and uh, her meester. It's a uh, walking and talking. Yeah, walking <laughs> and talking. And they're preparing for the winter. And basically, this scene is really used to set up Sansa as a decisive leader who knows what she's talking about. Um, you know, she 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 dispatches the directions and instructions to the maester and to the, the head knight of, uh, of the Vale. And, um, and really, that's just there to show that, oh, see, these strong personalities, they, they defer to her knowledge, and, you know, they're calling her Lady Sansa. Then Littlefinger, Littlefinger has to, at this point, understand he's totally lost Sansa because she's cutting them off. She's frankly basically rude to him at some point. Mm-hmm. And he, you just see his mind working, saying, oh, let's go back real quick because... Theon, not Theon, uh, Tyrion says to John when they land, you know, how Sansa, you know, we never consummated. John's like, I never asked. And he goes, well, I just wanted you to know. And he also says something like, she's she's a lot smarter than she lets on. And John goes, well, she's letting on now, you know. And yeah, so, he says, it, good for her. Yeah. 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 So it's that thing that, you know, Sansa's done kind of playing the little maiden and really flexing her muscle now. And that plays a part here. Uh, so she's she snaps back a little bit at Littlefinger, but then he counsels her about fighting every battle mentally and never being unprepared. And you see her eyes kind of like, all right, maybe maybe I can still learn something from him. Uh, and that's when she got. Well, well, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna ask you. Do you think that she's sort of like, yes, I could still learn something from him, or is she more of like, I'm learning something, but still not trusting him like i'll learn his lessons because he's he's lasted this long he he knows how to survive but she's not trusting him as far as she could throw him like what right. do you what do you yeah well i think that's what's that's the genius of sansa is that she's she's figured out what when look good advice from a bad person is still good advice you know what i mean mm. and i think she's figured that out i i think she's understands that yeah i can't trust him you know, he is trying to manipulate me he's trying to get what he wants anything that comes out of his mouth is a way for him to put himself in a position to gain more power or whatever but it doesn't mean he's not saying some things that make sense and that i can use and i think that's the difference of this season sansa as opposed to maybe two seasons ago and um i don't know that little fingers recognize that i think what at this point little finger is still I think he's trying things and he sees they're not working it, but he's he's got backup plans to his backup plans. And he's still trying to work with that. I don't know that he sees Sansa as that person that, that does not fully trust him and probably never will. I don't know that he sees that yet. And that could be his downfall. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but also it's around this time when uh, somebody comes up to her and says, Lady Sansa, there's someone at the gate for you. And we get this great, you know, like like we said, you know, the last couple of episodes, the Starks are start starting to come back to Winterfell. Uh, she goes to the front door, and there's Bran, and that was just such a great reunion between the two of them. And it's 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 a long time coming, like having all the Starks coming back to Winterfell. Yeah, the funny thing is, I thought it was when they said someone's at you know the gate. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Arya. I um, thought so too. I, I really did. I I, I had just assumed. That he was there, but I remember he actually came in at Castle Black, and he hadn't made his way to Winterfell yet. Right. And I remember the first time I saw the scene, she she hugs him, and she's very emotional, and he's just like, hello, Sansa. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, like, oh, this kid can't act. But then I'm thinking, like, no, he's acting great because he's the three-eyed raven, and he's kind of detached from all this other stuff, you know? Like, even when they were talking by the tree, and she's like, look, you're you're the last 
blood son of Ned Stark. You're you're Lord of Winterfell. He's like, I I, I cannot be the Lord of Winterfell. I don't know why I'm trying to do this voice all of a sudden, but <laughs> um, now you're doing I, good. Keep going. Yeah, it's like I can't be the Lord of Winterfell. I'm the three eyed raven now. She's like, what the what? And he's like, he's like, seriously, it's a long story. <laughs> now let me ask you this because I was confused. Yes. About this. When he's describing her wedding day and her eyes are getting big, is she talking about? And I would have to rewatch the season. Is she talking about before she married Ramsay, or she, or is he looking into the future and describing her future wedding day? I took it to mean that it was it was the wedding day for Ramsay okay. when she when she married Ramsay because he does. I think he kind of apologizes. He says right before it, he's like, "I'm sorry for all the things that happened to you." And then he talks about that wedding day because pretty much up until that point. She thought Ramsey is just some guy, and it was on her wedding night where she discovered who he truly was. So he was describing that because when she walks away, that I'm almost positive that's what she's remembering. And okay, and and again, just like you said, you know, he's such a great actor because he's pretty much telling her with this three-eyed raven ability, I, I could see through time. He's pretty much like, yeah, I saw you raped, but he's telling her in such a detached way as if he's almost like a bored narrator, like reading a story about it. Right. But this is his sister. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Amazing. Great acting. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the transformation. All the kids went through Aria, Sansa, John. Uh, I think brands is the most, um, cause he kind of fell into it. You know, he didn't pursue it. It just, he was just trying to escape and survive, you know? Um, and he becomes this mystical thing, and he's really on his own now because the the, you know, the original Three Eyed Raven is it was killed by the uh, Night King. Um, so it's curious what what's going to happen with Bran. And it was really good to see the Stark another Stark child at home. And I it, it, I really started going over how many Stark children. For some reason, I thought like most of them were dead, but it's really only two. It's Rob and um, not Bran. Who's who's one I got? Uh, Rickon. Rickon. Yeah, but for some reason, I always thought that like like most of the Stark children were dead, but it's only two of them. Not that that's okay, but you know. Um, <laughs> well, I I think because what it is is throughout the series, most people assume that most of them are dead because really for most of the series, nobody else knows where uh, Bran is and where Arya are. So for all they know, it's really just Sansa and Rickon and John. And, Rick, and John, yeah. you know, because we know where they are. We're we're watching them, but Westeros like. As far as they know, Arya died back in season one, some somehow, you know, because she's just never seen right. again. And frankly, Bran and, and Rickon were considered dead up until the Karstarks or whatever family or the Umbers brought Rickon to uh, Ramsay. Mm, true, because um, Theon was supposed to have killed them. Yeah, that's right. So that's why I, I think everybody on the show talks about the fact that the Starks are pretty much wiped out, but we know better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I got another question I wanted to ask before about Alaria. Can we just jump back there real quick? Absolutely. Do you think we don't see Alaria again? Do you think that's her fate? That's the end? Hmm. That's a good I was actually thinking about that when I did the rewatch. Is you know, is is I mean, obviously <sighs> Do we get a scene in season eight where she's just disheveled and that's kind of what I away thought. And she's sitting across from her daughter's skeleton or something. Do we get one of those scenes? Or I, I kind of think we will because, I mean, obviously there's nothing that's going to help her daughter. Her daughter, her, her fate is sealed. But it's almost going to be like there's probably going to be a side scene where there's so much – there's going to be so much going on, so much action that maybe when they're storming the Red Keep or they're, they're doing like uh, – a mission to kind of break into the red keep that they'll come upon her and you'll almost be like, Oh, that's right. right. I, so I think we will see her. I don't think she's going to have a part to play or maybe, maybe she will. Who knows? This is the game of Thrones, but I, I do think I, and, and when I watched that scene that kind of popped into my mind is like, Oh God, I don't want to see a season eight where we see her just like a, a broken woman in a cell, but we probably will. Yeah. I was curious. Okay. All right. So now uh, we have a quick scene in old town at the Citadel where the Archmeister is talking to Jorah Mormon, expecting him, his body, all the, all the, uh, I guess the sores are gone, but he's, he's, you know, with, he's got all this red, almost bruising, kind of like leftover after, like scarring, I guess you would call it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's asking, does it hurt? You know, what, how Jorah pretty much lies to him. is like, look, I, 
I woke up and I, I felt better and I just felt it was the nice air. <laughs> yeah, I want I want to yeah, I want to head over to Old Town cuz apparently it's the climate. And he goes he goes it would appear somebody uh cut off all the dead skin and applied uh like basically antibiotic and he's like right. I don't know anything about that. Uh, I just uh, got a good night's sleep, breathed in the air, and here I am. <laughs> so uh, Sam's in that scene, and the Archmeister Maester's like, uh, you got to come see me later. And then uh, he says his goodbye to Jorah. Jorah says he's going back to uh, Daenerys because he promised mm-hmm. her. And um, and then uh, later on, Sam admits to administering the uh, the cure. And <laughs> the Archmaester is like, uh, you could have infected yourself. You could have infected everybody else here. He goes, but you did it. And he goes, how did you do it? He goes, you know, Archmeisters, I mean, Meisters with, with more medical experience than you have tried and failed. And he goes, well, I read the book and I followed the directions. <laughs> it's just so funny. So, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know who this actor is, but the way he delivered, he's like, well, I read a book. <laughs> like, like, it's nothing. Like, you know, I, I, I get, uh, you know, stuff from Ikea and I look at the instructions and I feel like I need a degree in physics. And he's just, you know, he cures probably one of the most contagious diseases. Well, I read a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he gets punished by having to uh, copy and retranscribe a whole bunch of books and scrolls um, for the, for the Archmaster. Now, my question yeah. is this. I was thinking yes. about this because uh, mm-hmm. the Archmaster goes, would you expect a reward? Exactly. Uh, yeah. It looks like a lot of work, but the thing is this, if you're there at the Citadel, you're there to gain knowledge. So if you're copying over books and scrolls, you're, hopefully gaining that knowledge so is this kind of a weird way of rewarding him by saying look i'm giving you access to these scrolls and books learn from them this is your opportunity to learn from them or do you think it's like no here's work nobody wants to do get copying (laughs) i think i i kind of think it's a little bit of both i think it's it's a reward disguised as a punishment because he said you know when he says did you expect a reward he's like your reward is I'm not kicking you out. That's your reward. But yeah, it's very true because those are probably some of the oldest scrolls or textbooks that that they're falling apart. That's why he has Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably like, you know, it's one of those hidden lessons. Like you think this is just busy work, but if you make the best of it, maybe you'll learn something from it. So it's, 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 it's a pretty good life lesson, I think. Yeah. All right. Love Sam. <laughs> oh, everybody does. Every uh, my daughter now she's she she finally caught up to season seven. Anytime there's a scene with Sam uh, early on, she's just screaming at the t- like, "No, don't kill Sam!" Like that's one of her favorites. <laughs> so funny. Uh, okay, so now we're at Caster Casterly Rock. Yes. I keep want to say Castle Rock, but it's a Stephen King's production company. That's right, um, at Casterly <laughs> Rock. Uh, so basically, uh, Daenerys's plan as she laid out last week was uh, Yara takes the Dornish queen back to Dorne to get their army to, to lay siege to uh, uh, King's Landing with the um, uh, what are they called? Oh, the, the Tarleys? No, the Tyrells? The, the, the Tyrells, yes. Yeah, so they were going to lay siege to King's Landing. As we know, Yara got stopped by Euron, so that didn't happen. Their other part of the plan was the Unsullied was going to lay siege to Casterly Rock and take the home of the Lannisters. So mm-hmm. now we're we're at Casterly Rock and we're seeing the un, Unsullied attack Casterly Rock. Um, Tyrion has a secret entrance that he moved women at, in and out of a Castly Rock without his father's knowledge. So he lets the Unsullied know about that. So they sneak into the castle and they're able to take the force um, within the castle by surprise, killing all the soldiers and taking Castly Rock. The only problem is that there's a lot few that Grey Worm discovers there's a lot fewer soldiers in there than there should be, and he doesn't know what's going on. And he's standing at the parapet, at the top of the parapet, and he looks out over the ocean um, because the Unsullied came from the ocean, uh, and he sees Euron's fleet destroying his fleet. So there's a little, yeah. uh, little backstabbing, but. It seems that Cersei was one step of, ahead of her brother Tyrion. Now that's Tyrion's weakness, I think, is that he thinks he's the smartest man in the room all the time. Which is which is something that Lady Olena did warn Daenerys about. You know, clever men they they love being clever, but sometimes your own wits and your gut feeling is going to be better than theirs. Just remember that. And right, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think when we talked about that first. Uh, 
that first episode or yeah, it was the first episode I think where they laid it out. You know, we said like on paper that this was a great plan and it's coming apart at the seams. Yeah. Like real quickly. So at this moment, and it's not the episodes I'm in, but at this moment, uh, there, she lost a good portion of her Navy and her unsullied are now stuck way over in Castle Rock because without their ships, even if they fight through, well, we don't know that Euron's going to go on land, which he might not. Um, they're going to have to walk all the way back to Dragonstone from, and I don't know what the map is, but I'm sure it's not that close. That Castle Rock and, and uh, Dragonstone are close together. So <laughs> effectively disabling Navy and one third of their army, if you well, one half, because they're just in Sully and the, and the, um, Dothraki. The Dothraki, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little bit of action there. Uh, always good to see Grey, Joy, Grey Worm in action. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it did not end well for Daenerys and her army. No, and then we see that, you know, I think Grey Worm's actually asking where the rest of the Lannisters. And then we see that Jamie Lannister, he, he pulled a Rob Stark of his own. He, he pretty much, he took his army where they weren't. They, uh, and they invaded House Tyrell, and pretty much the Tyrells, you know, Lady Elena says it at the end, like, they're not known for fighting. They're not great fighters, and they pretty much lay siege to it and, and decimate it, and <sighs> this ending scene, oh, my God. <laughs> well, let me just ask this. We also have yes. Samwell's father, the Tarleys, and his brother Dickon. They, sorry. I, tried I know. Get, I tried to get I, through it. I, I, um, I know. <laughs> so they they betrayed the Tyrells, right? Yes. They're riding with Jamie. So there's a little, you know, uh, treachery there too. So go ahead and talk about the end scene. Yeah. So pretty much we see the the entire Lannister and I guess Tarly army marching on High Garden. Then we pretty much cut to inside. It's like battle over. It, it looks like it did not go on very long. We see Jamie kind of just making his way to the very top tower where Lady Olena is. And, you know, she realizes. She's like, that's it. You know, my plan's undone. And they have a little exchange where basically, you know, she starts to give him advice. And he's like, well, why should I listen to you? And she's like, I'm the best person you should listen to because anything you say to me, you know, it's not leaving this room. I know I'm dying. You know, you're going to kill me. Uh, he pretty much, she pretty much tells him that his sister is a is a monster. She's a disease, and you know, she says, even though she opposed her, she did in some parts help her, and she totally regrets that. And yeah, you know, she tells him, you know, she well, she sees, she sees that Jamie loves her, and she's like, you know, she's like, she feels bad for him. She's like, you poor fool, like. Like, her claws are sunk so deep into you. She's like, but you'll regret it. You know, you'll see. You'll see how she is, and you'll regret it. Um, Jamie pretty much says that, well, you know, she had all these great plans. She was going to drag you through the streets. She was going to hang you from the highest tower. She was going to do all these horrible things. I talked her out of it. Here's some painless poison. Go ahead and drink it. And she does. And she's like, well, at least I'm not going to die like the way your son did Joffrey. And she right there admits it. She admits that she is the one that poisoned him. And before she goes, she's like, please, please tell Cersei. I want her to know that it was me. And she gets her last shot in. So I I give her a lot of credit because – I'm going to be honest. If I, if I was facing my death, I I don't know. I, I would be beg. I would plead. <clears throat> but she, she goes out like the way she always does. She she just tells it like it is, and she gets that last shot in. So I, I give her a lot of credit. Now, let me ask you. Were we supposed to not know that she poisoned Joffrey or just that they didn't know? I think it's more that they didn't know because watching the series again, we see that she and Littlefinger planned it. Uh, you know, she okay. I, she concocted the plan. I think he's the one that actually carried it out. So we we kind of know it, but this was the big reveal to them. Like they they had always assumed. Well, Cersei always assumed that it was Tyrion that did it. Um, but this this is the big reveal, really, to them, to Jamie and Cersei, that it was Lady Elena that was behind the whole thing. Right, but so. <laughs> Do you think Cersei and Jamie thought it was Tyrion? I think Cersei thought it was Tyrion just because she despises her brother so much. 
I don't think, I mean, Jamie probably figures Joffrey had so many enemies. It, it really, it could have been anybody. I don't think he would think that it's, it's his brother. It just doesn't seem in, in Tyrion's, like in Jamie's eyes, it doesn't seem to be in Tyrion's nature to do it. And, and Cersei just has such a hatred for him. She naturally would, would accuse him because right. who else could it be? Yeah, true. Sure. All right. So, uh, yeah, great episode. Lots of things happen. It really, I mean, when the credits roll on this bad boy, it looks bad for Daenerys. It looks real bad for Daenerys. And I know I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if when she gets this news, she's going to be more open to joining with Jon because now she's going to understand that she's going to need Jon a lot more than she thought. Um, oh, also, well, there was there was a scene where she said, I just want to take the dragons out into the ocean and destroy Euron's um, fleet. His and fleet, yeah. They mm-hmm. talked her out of that, saying, look, it's a big ocean. You don't know where he is. You could be gone for, for a long time, and we need you. So, Which was smart on their part. I mean, I think it was a good plan, but it was smart on their part to keep her there. Oh, yeah, too, and I think it's Missandei. She says, look, it takes one well-placed arrow, and you're gone. Like, yeah, your dragons could probably do it, but you're riding on the back of that dragon, and, and one archer gets lucky, and we lose you, so it's just not worth it at all. But I definitely think it will, because when she gets the news that the Greyjoy fleet is destroyed and, and pretty much she's lost the, the Dornish army, she seems to warm up a lot more to Jon. Uh, so now, with all the news that she's going to get after the events at the end of this episode, I really think she's going to begin. Because she went from really being in such a good... Because look at it. I mean, she was in a great position, so much so that the Iron Bank, when they meet with uh, Cersei... They don't come out and say it directly. She points it out to them. They're sort of like, yeah, we're backing her with the dragons and the Dothraki and the Unsullied, and she's got more allies, and nobody likes you. She definitely looks like, at the beginning of this episode, even even after losing the fleet, she still is in a pretty good position. At the end of this episode, you're sort of like, maybe you better stay on Dragonstone and, and hope Cersei doesn't come after you, because <laughs> you don't have yeah, much left. Yeah. And I wonder if this is going to... Not ruin, but impact her relationship with Tyrion because this was his plan and it's falling apart into pieces. It, it really is, and you know, uh, you also have to wonder too in the back of her mind if she's like, "Well, his last name is Lannister. Did he do all this to help the Lannisters?" It's right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's something that's that. really going to stick there. Yeah, it's because again, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting when you look at Daenerys. I mean. She does what she does for the good of her people. You know, she she freed all the slaves. Uh, she got the Unsullied to follow her, not because she paid for them and they have to. She won their loyalty. She won the loyalty of the Dothraki. Um, but like this sort of political wheeling and dealing and 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 alliance forming, like this is not her forte. So she really, you know, and I think you said it last time. She's such a great leader because she relies on all of these great advisors. And now, really, her hand, probably the smartest person she knows, his plan just went up in smoke. Is it because he's not as smart as we think he is? Or is it because his last name is Lannister? So she, she's going to have a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I got a question for you. Since the end of season six, especially that last episode, um, you know, and and a lot of this season, season seven, uh, you know, a lot of the online chatter was like, "Oh, Varys couldn't get the Dorn and back that quickly," and all this other thing. So, are you concerned? I mean, they're out of the books now. I think they've been out of the books since season five. I think. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they have an end date, which is uh, this season coming up. Does that bother you that it seems like people are getting around a lot quicker than they probably should be? Or are you just like, you know, this is the way the story needs to be told. Just who, who cares? Let's not be so sticklers about that kind of stuff. I think there I think is a lot of moving around in this episode. I thought that probably should take a little longer. Than me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think what people don't realize is that when you know the Unsullied gets to Casterly Rock, it's not that they made this plan and then the next day they're there. I mean, weeks go by, sometimes even months go by. And it's, I think it's really hard to gauge that in this series because we do see people move around so quickly. We just assume that if I'm in Winterfell and I want to get to King's Landing, I hop on a horse and two hours later I'm there. No, it probably takes me a good month to get there. 
it, it's just they jump around so much, but I guess it's hard for them to kind of put time references in. So I, I buy into it with sort of that understanding that, okay, Varys was in Dorne. Now he's back on Dragonstone. You know, he didn't take a red eye. I mean, okay. it took him a while to get there, but it also took a while for all this other stuff to happen too. So I, I kind of try to look at it okay. that way. But yeah, I want, you, I want you to remember that you said that because oh, there boy. is an, you know, look, we've seen the season already. Yes. And we know there's an egregious time jump <laughs> in one of the episodes later, which we'll talk about when that episode comes. Yes. So just okay. Remember everything you just said. Okay. All right. Fair I mean, enough. I, I, Fair I, enough. I, you'll have to do it now, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to get you to admit that even that was an egregious time jump. You know, where you okay. really just have to suspend disbelief and just go with the story. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think and I think what it is, is at the end of the day, because, again, uh, uh, you know, we're watching this season again. I, I've watched the series again and I could probably go back and watch this series again. And it's so well written that even with things like that, I'm willing to forgive it because this is how it needs to be told. And it's such a good story. Right. Now, you know, <sighs> You do something like this in a movie like Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern, I'm calling you out on it because it's, it's pure garbage. The movie is garbage from start to finish, and if you do crazy time jumps, well, you're just adding to the garbage. Here, it's, it needs to be done because I don't, I don't want to, you know, a five-episode story arc about, you know, Arya walking from King's Landing all the way back to Winterfell because it takes her a month to do it. Like, I'll understand next episode she's there, but a month went by. I'm fine with that. Okay. All right, and, and ladies and gentlemen, trust me, when we started this episode, I had no idea Shade would be throwing that Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern. <laughs> there you go. All right, Jay, once again, great episode. Great talking with you about it. Uh, everybody, yes, thank uh, you. Jo- join us next week for Season 7, Episode 4, The Spoils of War. Ooh, sounds like it's going to be an exciting adventure. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, Jay, anything to promote? Uh, anything to promote? Well, I mean, you can find us on Instagram now, uh, Gab of Thrones, and there's a period in between each word. So Gab, period, of, period, Thrones. We're on Instagram there, so look for us there. And, of course, uh, you can now find this podcast really anywhere you find this podcast. uh, On Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Spotify, Breaker, if you listen in on iTunes, do us a favor, rate and review us. Uh, the more positive reviews you give us, the higher up we move on the list for iTunes. Uh, John, would you like to promote anything? Yeah, I want to say that Jay and I are parts of the brother Brothers in Armchairs uh, podcast production um, group, and we can be found on brothersinarmchairs.com. You can find my other shows, Nerd and Me, which I do with Alan, uh, fat guys in little coats, which I do with Pete. Uh, Jay has entered the nerd zone, which he does with Pete. Uh, mm-hmm. Stuff you don't need to know, which he does uh, with himself. And <laughs> defenders that of, did not sound good. It sounds exactly <laughs> like I wanted it to. And <laughs> defender of the is a defender of the realms, right? I just want to say defender. Yeah, defender of the realm, and uh, yeah, and defender of the realms about video games. And uh, a while back, Telltale Games, uh, which. Great gaming company. They do more story-based games where you make the decisions. Uh, their Batman games are famous. They actually had a Game of Thrones game that I did play. I did review it. The sad part is, is the company has gone under because the first game really kind of set it up that there was going to be a sequel. The developer said, well, we have to wait for season eight to come out. But the company went under, so sadly, for now, we're never going to get it. But look for uh, that. I I talk about the Telltale game there because it was a very good game because it's story-driven. And you make some life-or-death decisions there, just like the real Game of Thrones. Oh, all right. So, yeah, you can find us and all our friends and uh, all our different shows. We have a variety of topics. There's something for everybody, I'd like to think. I think so. And the Brothers in Armchair set. All right, Jay, always a pleasure. Yes, it is. And I would just like to say that a podcaster always pays his debts. And I just want to remind everyone that I drink and I know things. Peace. Later.